0: Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Manconi. February 28th is a day of remembrance and reflection in Taiwan. This year, it marks 69 years from what's come to be known as the 228 Incident, in which an anti-government uprising was violently suppressed by the Republic of China government. The death toll is believed to lie between 10 and 20,000. But beyond the number of people killed, What's perhaps more difficult to grasp for many of us now so many years later is the human toll that was felt throughout Taiwan's society by the survivors. It's this experience, in the decades that followed 228, that novelist Shauna Young Ryan illustrates in her new book, Green Island, which provides a fictional account of one family swept up in this dark period of Taiwan's history. She joins us now to discuss her work. Shauna Yong Ryan, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So your book opens uh, with the birth of the protagonist. She's born in uh, the very first hours of the uprising that leads to the 228 incident. Uh, And then uh, a lot of the rest of the book is uh, also dealing with, I guess, the fallout of uh, that incident. Uh, Her father is arrested for giving a pro-democracy speech, and and, uh, a lot of the book is about the consequences of that arrest. Uh, So I think in a lot of ways... Uh, the narrative of this book, uh, the narrative of this family really does reflect uh, the broader narrative uh, 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 of Taiwan and, and the experience of uh, the aftermath of this massacre. Um, so I want to start by asking, um, how do you see uh, 228 as a moment in Taiwan's history? And and what were you uh, interested in, in looking at uh, in terms of that history uh, in this book?
1: Right. Well... In talking to people, um, it seemed that the way that they talk about that moment is, um, in 1945, being so glad, um, to be leaving Japanese colonialism, to be freed of Japanese colonialism and to be, um, eagerly looking forward to, to the arrival of the ROC. And this is, this is how people described it to me. And, um, and so... When the ROC arrived and the Taiwanese found themselves second class citizens, they were like deeply disappointed. And then 228 more than compounded that. So, in that way, it was a pivotal moment in that they realized the optim- the Taiwanese realized that the optimism they had for the future wasn't to be, and that they were yet again second class citizens. Um, and that's why I, I think it's such an important moment in terms of thinking about Taiwanese identity.
0: And that uh, dimension of uh, identity that you're talking about right there, uh, I mean, I think for a lot of us, especially those of us that were born uh, far away in time or for those of us that did not grow up in Taiwan at all, um, that's an especially difficult uh, thing for us to get a handle on. Um, So was that something that you were really interested in exploring uh, as you were developing this work?
1: I don't think I expected to to explore it when I first began. I thought I was just writing historical fiction, but it turned out to be um, incredibly important as, as I started learning more and sort of tracing the story through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and um, all the way up to 2003, just tracking changes, tracking historical changes. I ended up tracking changes in conceptions about Taiwanese identity, too, just because that that came along with it.
0: Right. And this book does uh, really look at a, at a very large chunk of history. I mean, it tracks the lives of uh, this family uh, all the way up into the last decade or so. Uh, so it really is a big chunk of history that you're dealing with here.
1: Right. Thinking about the book and thinking about writing it, um, one of the reasons I chose to go beyond the 228 massacre is that I thought there was so much attention focused on that one moment and people were really caught up in sort of like um, the horror of it. And it was it was really, really horrible. But people kind of, I think, got bogged down in the details. Not Maybe not bogged down is the right word, but um, going over the the event over and over again. Um, when really it just had, like you said, so many repercussions that went on for generations, um, in terms of the children, um, the partners left behind and the lives they had to pick up and then just what it did to Taiwanese society after that. So, I mean, really the event was much larger than what happened that February and March in 1947,
0: Exactly. And, you know, kind of going back to uh, a point I was making a second ago, uh, this probably is uh, a piece of history that uh, most people who know about Taiwan are fairly familiar with. Uh, you know, you're going to come across the 228 incident, uh, but uh, doing this in a novel uh, really does put that human experience uh, front and center uh, and uh, at least for me, you know, makes it accessible uh, and more comprehensible in, in a way that you know, you don't quite get in, in, a, in a history treatments of this.
1: Right. Yeah. And I did want to think about about that human experience because it, it's easy for it to become a list of facts or or numbers or even the story of the night um, of February 27th um, with the the widow selling cigarettes and what happened with her to set off the the protests, that becomes a story that people recite in the same way. And I found that in my interviews, too, when I asked people about 228, they would start with that story and they almost all told it in exactly the same way. And I really had to push them to talk about what it meant to them personally, what it meant to their family, like the actual lived experience of it versus the received experience. And and so, of course, that's what I wanted to concentrate on in my novel was the lived experience, what it was actually like beyond what we can read in a history book.
0: Yeah, and you're kind of hinting at a, another one of the really interesting things about uh, this book is that it is uh, the product of quite a bit of research uh, that you conducted. Of course, you know, it's a novel, um, but you did uh, extensive research, you know, interviewing Uh, the families that were either directly uh, impacted by the massacre itself or lived through the years that followed. Uh, And you you really got to know uh, the facts of this history. So can you talk a little bit about uh, that research that you did and uh, how that influenced uh, the writing of the final product?
1: Yeah, so I came as a Fulbright in 2002. And I had proposed to write this book. And, you know, luckily, they accepted my proposal. And I actually came into it not really knowing what I was doing. Um, I had just finished graduate school, I had this idea for the book, I knew some something about 228, but not a lot. um, And I thought I could just come in and, you know, turn out this draft in like a year or whatever. But, um, I soon learned that, that there was just so much to have to know in order to understand 228. I mean, to contextualize it, to know about Japanese colonialism and to know about everything that happened after 228. So that took a lot of research. Um, and I learned a lot of that from talking to people, um, I started with the network that I had. My mother is from Taiwan, so I had some relatives and friends in Taiwan. And so I asked them if there was anybody who would talk to me and then worked my way out from there. And then I also, I mean, I think for a novelist, the sensory details are so important. So spending those years in Taiwan were extremely important too in terms of um, creating the world of the book.
0: Now sticking with this topic of uh, how you approached all this, You yourself, uh, you grew up in California, so, you you know, you you are definitely well positioned to engage with uh, an English-speaking audience uh, in a way that somebody from Taiwan wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Uh, And when we think about the broader English-speaking audience, you know, outside of the very small group of people that have lived here, uh, Taiwanese history, realistically speaking, you know, is not a well-understood thing uh, for most people, So, you know, as you approach this, uh, was that almost, I guess, uh, mission of education, uh, helping that broader audience understand Taiwanese history or get more familiar with Taiwanese history, was that something uh, that you were conscious of uh, as you were approaching this project?
1: Right. I had really two audiences in mind. One was that generation of Taiwanese um, and, you know, the Taiwanese Americans I had met who had come over as graduate students in the 1960s. And so they had been like the children of the generation that had been um, directly affected by, by 228. And so I wanted to write this books for them so that they would have this, this novel they would look at and see their story. in. but I also wanted to write it for a Western audience that um, didn't know much about Taiwan, because I think it's important to know about Taiwan. Taiwan has such an important um, role globally. And, and I mean, To be honest, a lot of Americans that I encounter can't distinguish it from Thailand. (laughs) So that's kind of the joke over here. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's been my honest experience multiple times. So if I could clear that up, um, I think that would be great.
0: Yeah. Well, um, baby steps. (laughs) Right. And so just thinking about one of those uh, audiences that you're talking about right there, uh, the Taiwanese audience. Uh, you know, when bringing this book to that audience, it brings up a whole different set of challenges. Of course, uh, in Taiwan, this is a very difficult uh, period in history uh, to look at because as as soon as you start talking about the two two eight massacre, uh, it immediately becomes politicized. I, I mean, most of the time. Uh, that's the case um whether it's you know serving the political narrative of this group or or going against the political narrative of that group it's very easy uh for uh the work to be seen as more than just a novel for it to be used by a, a political group so was that something that you were thinking about as you wrote this
1: i didn't think about how it would be used politically but i certainly knew that um you know it's a very Politicized subject, um, but I, I think I, you know, I try to be fair. When you when you center it in characters, though, and you make it about the characters, I think that helps eliminate some of the ways that it could be used as a political tool. Because it's really about these people, right? Um, and how this history is manifested in their lives. Yeah, I mean, my my own family has sort of been a little bit skeptical about it. My family in Taiwan, to be honest, and and wondering why um, I am this foreigner who's come in and written this book. But I think that too puts me in a special position because if I had written this as Taiwanese, I think it's it's more likely that um, I could get sort of caught up in what you're talking about. But I'm coming at it from essentially an outsider's point of view. And I think also that made it a little bit easier for people to talk to me because they just saw this um, like sort of harmless and somewhat dumb like American woman just asking these questions and they would tell me these amazing things because because I think they didn't take me seriously all the time. I just tried to build the story around real characters and I, I hope that that will just it'll make it more of an experience and rather than, I don't know, propaganda or something like that.
0: Well, it's certainly a difficult line to walk, but uh, your your empathy for the characters in this book certainly comes through Uh, Even for, you know, the mainland characters, not necessarily just for uh, the victims in this story, but for all the characters, uh, it it certainly comes across that you're interested in in understanding their experience and and the complexity of that experience.
1: Right. I mean, it's it's so nuanced. And I think that that's what gets lost when stories sort of become calcified into these historical versions that are taken as the official version, right, is that you lose all these nuances and um, and individuals are not purely good or evil and they have complicated motivations. And I think um, to just sort of get it, that was really important, including from the, the mainlander side.
0: So the name uh, that you gave to your book is Green Island, and I think most of our listeners will know Green Island is, uh, of course, the island that's uh, just a little bit east of Taidong, in southern Taiwan. And also, uh, for a number of years, it uh, was home to a political prison. Uh, so why was that the name uh, that you chose for this book?
1: Well, I went through a lot of different names. Um, I, I like that it has multiple possible meanings. Um, that it's the prison, but also kind of, you can kind of think of Taiwan as Green Island and, um, and I also really love that song, Green Island Serenade and the implications of that song, the multiple meanings that song has. So I feel like that title. And it's a
0: Taiwanese folk song. Uh,
1: I don't know if it's a folk song, but more like, um, it's a sort of a mid century pop song, love song. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it has multiple meanings that I think are encompassed in the book.
0: Mm. Uh, in in the sense that uh, Taiwan is also, uh, uh, you know, Green Island or often referred to as a, as a Green Island?
1: Yeah, in that way. But also I think uh, if you want to expand the metaphor a little further, that during um, the martial law era, Taiwan had become sort of a prison. Um, and that's the era that my characters endure. So thinking about it going that way as well.
0: Mm. Now moving this conversation uh, forward uh, to more modern politics, uh, of course, uh, Tsai Ing-wen, one of her campaign promises, was truth and reconciliation uh, for her administration, which uh, is set to take office in just a couple of months. And when we talk about truth and reconciliation, of course, uh, that does mean looking at uh, some of these more difficult periods in Taiwan's history that uh, your book deals with. And and so just based on uh, the conversations that you had with Taiwanese people in uh, the course of putting together this book— Ah, uh, do you see that kind of honest reflection? That kind of dialogue? Uh, do 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 you see that happening in in the coming months and years?
1: I hope so. I hope so. I think that would be really useful for for a lot of people to have that aired out. Um, I think the people who want to deny or resist the story of two two eight are maybe contending with this fear of being blamed, but then there are people on the other side who it would be really useful for them to have it acknowledged and um, more things like that exposed so they can move on. I mean, there was a that beautiful article in the New York times recently about, about the letters that had not been sent. And then the families had finally received them and, and um, it was just heartbreaking. You know, I think it was the daughter talking about if her mother had just received this letter from her father, it would have been, Uh, But it would have enabled her to maybe move on with her life a little bit more than she was able to.
0: Mm. And uh, also looking at the very long reach of this history, uh, you know, a lot of times when we think about uh, these very traumatic episodes in history, uh, we usually think of them as as losing uh, impact over the course of time. You know, memory fades, wounds heal. Um, But I think one of the implications of uh, your book is that the path that Taiwan was on was really shifted uh, because of uh, this incident. Uh, And so the trajectory has been uh, very different than it would have been uh, if this hadn't happened for all these years. So in in some ways, um, the impact of that incident just gets compounded as uh, the years go by.
1: Right. Well, that was interesting to me um, because when I began doing my interviews and coming from a place of of relative ignorance, I was surprised to hear people speak really, um, you know, I wouldn't say glowing terms, but to speak w- without a lot of malice about the Japanese colonial period for the people who I spoke to who remembered it. Um, and I realized it was sort of in the context, of course, of what happened afterwards of 228 and and the white terror that suddenly colonialism wasn't looking as bad as it had. And so... Um, so I think that that was a part of sort of the evolution of, of Taiwanese identity, um, rethinking that and just reading what has been written about it by scholars and in the newspapers and stuff. It is, it's, this, it's just amazing the way this identity has transformed and, and sort of become a national identity too. I think more recently that it's en- encompassing multiple ethnicities to Become more than just like an ethnic identity
0: right, and we certainly uh, see that reflected in in polling numbers uh, when people are are asked how they identify uh, Taiwanese is becoming more and more predominant as the years go by and and so you 're saying that you know the history here really has contributed and is still contributing to that shift
1: yeah, I think all that all of that history contributes to that i mean um, I think that that's something I say in my my book is that what what brings people together is um, is the shared history. I mean, you can try to indoctrinate people with a sort of patriotism or um, or with an enforced history like the ROC did um, with the children in schools or with an enforced language. But I think what really brings people together is a shared experience.
0: All right. Well, the book is Green Island. It is out now, recently released. Shani Young-Ryan, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk, a show that brings you new interviews from and about Taiwan each and every week. You can, of course, catch the broadcast version of this show, Mondays at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. during the top of the hour newscasts. Or for the podcast version, which you just heard, uh, you can find that in a couple of places. First and foremost, on the ICRT website, you can find it there. Uh, on iTunes, or uh, we're just getting into SoundCloud, so you can find it there as well. Uh, If you are listening through iTunes or SoundCloud, please do take a second to leave a comment. let lets us know what you're thinking, and uh, also helps other people discover the program, so we do very much uh, thank you for that. That is it for the show today. Thank you for listening for ICRT and Taiwan Talk. I'm Keith Menconi. See you next time.